You're listening to the Astrophotography Podcast. Capture the night sky. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Astro Backyard Podcast. It is the end of summer. This is where Trevor puts in that boo sound effect. (laughs) And say, don't say that. Hey everyone, it's Steve from Ontario Telescope and Accessories. And with me as always is the one, the only... Trevor Jones from AstroBackyard.com. Hey, everybody. How you doing, Trevor? It's been a while. You've been it's, busy. I've yeah, been busy. I've been keeping busy. Yeah. It's been an amazing summer for astrophotography, at least for where I am. It really has. And like August was, was pretty great, especially the last two weeks have been really nice. Yeah, it's nice because it hasn't been very hot. Um, no. The dew heaters are working overtime. Yeah, but, that's for sure. But that's okay. You know, you get your, your, uh, your dew heater going. Um, you know, I you know what I've really been been using a lot. I've been I've been I switched over to the uh, pocket power box. Right, right. You and, weren't using that before. No, I was using something else, and okay. it, which was working fine. But I wanted to try this out because the uh, pocket power box has an auto do feature. Yes. It, when you have the sensor plugged in, and, and so it'll tell you what the humidity is and what the dew point is, and you can see when you get closer to that dew point, how the heaters kick on higher yep it just you know takes one one thing out of the equation that i have to worry about yeah and it's got those two rca outputs so you got one for the guide scope one for your primary scope it's all you need yeah yeah so i you know it's yeah. uh um it's just a fantastic solution but yep. uh yeah so end of summer and and you know i got a lot of in- imaging in i was pretty happy with that um you've been doing yeah you have I, i've seen actually this has got to be the most you've ever imaged in a summer, right? I've seen, I've never seen so many images coming out of you. Like, I think last year, I remember like two or three, but this time I just, you just keep sending me new ones. Well, this is what happens when you watch your videos and you know what the heck you're doing. Oh, that's nice. Thanks for that, Steve. You're welcome. No, in all honesty, it, it, it's, uh, it's been a, um, a, a wealth of knowledge that I've been absorbing from that. So, um, you know, and one of the things too, you've been talking about, uh, filters recently and, and we'll talk about that cause I, I dived into that a bit, but, um, you know, end of summer Starfest just happened. Uh, Starfest is the largest star party in Canada. Uh, it was just this past weekend. It's typically on a noon moon in August, but because a new moon is on a long weekend, they couldn't get the park, so they did it a week ahead of time. But they gave it; they extended it out a few days. It was actually really good. We had great weather. We had four straight days of perfect nights. You can't beat that. No, you can't. Uh, well, we we did uh, a couple of years ago. We had ten straight days of perfect nights. Holy smokes! Yeah. It was, oh, was that the year when the when the uh, the Perseid meteor shower peaked too? It was like uh, 2016. It was like the peak of the Perseid meteor shower, Starfest, and New Moon all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And last year was like that too. We had a New Moon, we had a Perseid meteor shower, and it was it was perfect that night when it peaked. Unbelievable. Perfect. Yeah. Unbelievable. It was great. You just kind of sit back and watch, and you, your imaging's going anyways. You're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's perfect you, timing. You got a show, and you're going to an event next month too. Tell us about it. Yeah. So I'm going back to uh, Cherry Springs State Park in Pennsylvania. It's about four hours for a four-hour drive for me, and uh, really dark skies there. It's a Bortle Class 2, and uh, I'm doing a talk. This star party is called the Black Forest Star Party. So there's there's two big star parties at that park at Cherry Springs each year, and this is the fall one. So it happens at the end of September, which means it's like totally different than the Cherry Springs Star Party I went to at the end of May because 
Now the night's much longer. It's much colder up there. It's actually going to get really cold because it's it's already a cold place as it is because the elevation's so high. Right. So it's it's like a it's the same place, but it's a totally different experience for this one. So I'll be giving a talk on uh, deep sky DSLR astrophotography again, uh, slightly different from well the new and improved version of the one I gave in uh, in early June, late May. Well, that's that's, uh, that's pretty cool. So you'll be giving a talk uh, uh, at, at Cherry Springs next month. Mm-hmm. So if you're in the area or if you're planning to go, make sure you check Trevor out in his talk, uh, and then. Uh, he'll be signing autographs and no, I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would sign them. It's no one's asking for them. That's the problem. <laughs> uh, it, it's selfies now, right? That's the new, yeah, it's that's the new thing. That's the new autograph. That's yeah. right. Yeah. I'm going to, in, in, uh, in, in 40 years, I'm going to walk into a pawn shop with uh, a selfie I took of, of me and Trevor and <laughs> see if I can sell it. Yeah. Are you going to print it out? Big poster sign? <laughs> yeah. Why not? <laughs> Um, so, all right, a couple of things we wanted to talk about today. Uh, we wanted to talk about backspacing with um, uh, your camera, regardless of the camera that you have. Uh, and because we get those questions a lot, I get them a lot, and you know, we, we match up the appropriate spacers with the camera if required. And then um, talk about filters, in particular, these new dual band and tri band and quad band filters. Trevor, you've been using them, I just started using them, they're a lot of fun. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that a bit, but backspacing. Backspacing will, uh, is a real critical thing that you have to keep in mind when you're setting up your imaging rig. And Trevor, you've gone through this, right? I did, and I had it wrong for a little while. And I'm sure you'll get into this, but uh, in certain cases, if, if you have a little bit off, depending on the size of your camera sensor, you might not even know that you're off because you can still get focus, right. but it's just not right. So that's that was the case I experienced early on. I thought I had everything fine, but... I, I improved it with, with the correct spacing eventually. Sure. So 99% of the time, the backspacing that you, you probably commonly hear the most is 55 millimeters. And what that refers to, it, it, it's a DSLR or an SLR, uh, going back to film days even, um, number, right? Uh, right. When, when we bring it to astrophotography. And how they came up with that was the distance between the flange on your DSLR and the sensor is around 45 millimeters. It varies between manufacturers. I think Canon's 45, uh, Nikon is 46 point something. You get the idea. Yeah, yeah, it sits pretty deep in, into the camera body. Right, and then and then there's the T-ring. And the T- so we'll talk about Canon right now. I can't believe I'm doing that. <laughs> hey, I like it. Yeah, um, uh, Canon is 45 millimeters from the flange to the sensor, and then the T-ring is 10 millimeters. That's how you get 55. Right. So most reducers on the market have a 55 millimeter back focus. So you put your T-ring on, that gives you 10 millimeters. So you have to make up the other 45, which is gonna be in the camera. So that 10 plus 45 is 55. That's how you get your backspacing. Now, how do you do this if you have an astronomy, dedica- a dedicated astronomy camera, like a ZWO ASI 294? It's a little bit different, but the concepts are the same. And this is what I do to figure out uh, backspacing for any camera. I look at the specs on the reducer. And, and again, we'll go with 55 millimeters. So mm-hmm. I whip out a calculator, you know, so I can visually see it. So I have 55. And mm-hmm. I know my camera has, that with the ZWO, they give you two options. You have 6.5 millimeters or 17.5 millimeters. 
for backspace. And to do that is there's a little black ring on the ZWO cameras. If you take that black ring off, you get six and a half millimeters and that six and a half from the edge of the flange to the sensor. And if you add that uh, uh, 11 millimeter ring, then you mm-hmm. get 17 and a half. So we'll say, we'll go 17 and a half because that's a standard number that you'll get with other manufacturers as well, QHY. Um, Okay, and so so, so on. I I I've experienced that on on the on the uh, ASI two ninety four. I know that yep. little black ring you're talking about. Okay, good. And and so that seventeen and a half you said, right? Yeah, seventeen and a half. So so say on on another camera like a QHY, it will also have that attachment adapter ring, or do they actually have varying distances of the camera, the flange, and the sensor. So seventeen and a half is a standard uh, back focus. I see. Okay, right. so they'll 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 have an adapter to get you there, right? No matter what kind of right. camera it is. Yeah. But okay. it's important that you check with the manufacturer of the camera. They'll have that information available right. for you. So it should be in the manual. If you don't have it, send them an email or talk to the people you bought it from. They should be able to help you out. Yeah, that really should be in the manual it or should, on the website. Yeah, critical be, information. Yeah, exactly. So it, it it it's easy easy information to get. It's yeah. no one's hiding it. It's not a, a proprietary number that nobody could know. Right, not top secret. So if we take 55 and we subtract 17 and a half, we're left with 37 and a half millimeters. So that means we need to get another 37 and a half millimeters of spacers, right, from that camera with the black ring mm-hmm. to the reducer. Now we can do this a couple of ways. We can get, uh, you know, a 30 millimeter and a seven and a half. We can get a, um, we can get a. Uh, uh, a few other ones, as long as we get to 37 and a half. Rule of thumb, it, there's a tolerance of about half a millimeter. So, okay. you know, we're, we're uh, uh, not having to be precise on, on this. Um, mm. Well, we, it should be precise, but, you know, you got a little bit of a tolerance there. If you need to, sometimes the manufacturers come uh, supply little spacers to get that extra half, half millimeter or so. I see. Yeah, that is. That's not a whole lot. No, it's not. But it can make make a difference. If you're using a mono camera and you have a filter wheel, and you have filters, you need to add a millimeter. So now your backspacing is going to be 56 millimeters versus 55. Uh, ZWO actually did a really good uh, article on this. If you were to do a Google search for 55 millimeter ZWO, it'll come up on their site and it'll Mm -hmm. it'll show all this out. So really, that's what backspacing is and, and how to figure it out. It all depends on what your reducer requires to achieve focus to, within that proper reduction, right? Or, uh, and, and then you need to know the information from your camera. So right. it, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not a scary thing. And as long as you know that, that basic information, you can figure out what you need for spacers. Now, there are variable spacers as well if you need to get something that's outside of the standard, outside of the norm. You know, my, my TAC, for example, mm-hmm. has a backspace of 82.3 millimeters on the reducer. That's odd. Yep, it is. <laughs> so it, so you need to know that information and you just kind of figure out your spacing from there. Right. Yep. Yes, great, so, great information. Yeah. So hopefully that helps people out and... Uh, to figure out what they need for backspacing and you can always send send us a, a message on the facebook group and and uh you know we'll get you an answer or maybe somebody else will be, will be able to reply as well and help you out there you go trevor yes dual band filters yeah so what do you know you've been using them for a while 
I know that they're an excellent practical choice for people like me shooting in the city under Bortle Class 6, 7 skies with limited dark sky time, or clear sky time, I should say. So with a color camera, like magic, they'll, they'll strip away much of the light pollution in the sky and isolate the, the light and the signal that you do want from all of the best nebulae in the night sky. I like shooting nebulae. They're not, uh, they're, that's primarily what they're meant for because a lot of them will, will focus in on the HA and the O3 specifically, and those are two really strong signals. So I've just had a ball with using the ones. I'm not sure if you've tried the Optolong L Enhanced, Steve. I not know yet. you've been talking about a few. Oh, that's right. You use the, the IDIS, right? Yeah, I use the IDIS filter. And that one, what's that, the Nebula Booster? Yeah, the NB1 Nebula Booster. And that's a dual band pass. So I'm, it's I'm guessing it's, it's tri-band. Okay, so yep. H-beta as well? H-beta as well. Right. Now, did you find that that... Like, have you compared a tri-band to a dual-band and, and to see if that H-beta, like, the level of, of difference that you noticed picking up that H-beta as opposed to a filter that, that ignored it? I couldn't tell you because the objects I've been shooting have primarily been hydrogen alpha. Yeah. And uh, lot, a little bit of O3. So right. uh, I might actually try it tonight on a different object to see if I can get those blues and those greens. That's that's a great point. So this it, they really the the effectiveness of these filters really depends on the the type of target you shoot. Like the one that comes to mind is is the Veil Nebula mm -hmm. because that one has a strong signal in O3 and H8 at the same time. So a dual bandpass filter just was meant for objects like that. It just jumps out of the screen. Yeah, I I imaged um, NGC seven thousand, which is a yep. North American Nebula. Very strong HA signal. That's for and, sure. And a Pelican. In, yeah. in one in one frame because I had, I have uh, that wide field setup, um, and uh, deep, what what was it we called the deep, deep sky wide field? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was yeah. doing the deep sky wide field shot. You love heard, it. You heard the term here first. <laughs> yeah, but that's I, our term for sure. We're it. the first ones to ever coin that phrase. I love it. <laughs> uh, so I was doing my deep sky wide field shot of the uh, North American Nebula and Pelican, and it turned out really good. And that HA signal just popped. It was it was really good. Where I did see some blues um, and some greens were from the it, like it was picked up in the stars mm -hmm. a little bit. It wasn't very strong because stars aren't emitting O3 all the time, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I was able. That, that's where I saw some of it there. So that's the other great thing, and I'm glad you mentioned that about the stars. So the, the, the dual band pass or the tri-band, quad band, they actually, it, it's, it seems, it's a little hard to believe, but you can actually color balance or white balance the image and get a near close to true color result because it is capturing more of those colors as opposed to just yeah. shooting in one narrow band light where you just have this grayscale image that you need to build. Right. These ones, because they're getting enough mixture of colors, you can get something close to, to natural looking. Right. Well, and, and, and let's not forget, Trevor, you mentioned it too. You're shooting from, from your backyard, from, from the Astro backyard. The Astro backyard, yeah. <laughs> um, being in a city, you know, this opens up so much possibilities for people. You don't have to travel to that dark site. You don't have to do things around New Moon necessarily. Um, no, because they just cut those wavelengths, uh, uh, the light pollution wavelengths off, and uh, it yeah. actually kind of spoils you. When, once you get used to shooting in it with a dual bandpass filter, 
uh, and the, the, the contrast in your object that you see out of your just your single exposure. And then you go back to RGB where you're just taking in like a broadband filter. You're taking right. in all the light. You're getting, you know, all the natural colors too, but a lot of light pollution is just like, wow, your, your object is just buried. Right. Uh, that signal, you really have to dig it out. So we, we should we should point out though that if the the amount of signal that you're getting with a with a dual band or tri band filter will be less than what you would use if you had a mono camera with a dedicated hydrogen alpha or O3 filter. Because sure. You're still going through that Bayer pattern in front of your imaging sensor, which is in like Red, for example, it's only going to be a quarter of the pixel. Exactly. I, I like to use the phrase uh, "jack of all trades, master of none." I think right. it applies here. But but you know what? So, the result is still fantastic. It is. I mean, it's it's just fun to be able it's so to. So much fun. Yeah. It's so much fun, and yeah, I, I realize that you you know you're really you're holding back uh, on the, some signal that you could be getting if if you did it the uh, the the hard earned way, mono camera, and just a. a dedicated narrowband filter one wavelength at a time yep. uh, but that's not always practical when uh, you've got a total of 10 hours of clear skies in a two-week period right yeah oh you know it's still enough to impress the guys at the bar <laughs> and that's what it's all about <laughs> yeah um one one little quick thing about it as well right uh when you're processing this data right you're going to treat it as a color image so when you're you, you're going to debayer that file that that data and it will then put the appropriate colors based on that that bear pattern with your for, from your camera so you, yeah yeah like for for all intensive purposes the the stacking process same settings you would use for a color image with yep. with a DSLR or one shot color camera yep. and then the processing as well there's uh, it's really interesting to actually when you you dive into each color channel separately cuz you get a you know, night and day look at, okay, what was captured in red, what was captured in blue, what was what was captured in green using this filter. Right. And uh, on my DSLR, that green channel is always the nicest because, as you know, in that Bayer, Bayer pattern, there's more green, more green than there is the other two. So yep. it's always a smoother signal. But And then you can get into mixing those channels together, like doing something that's 50% green, 50% blue. And there's so many creative things you can do with the data afterwards. Mm -hmm. And uh, you're collecting it all in, in a single shot. It's okay. a great time to be alive. Great time for astrophotography. Uh, it, anyone who's getting into it, you know, now you can get that data from your backyard and, and really enjoy the, the, the hobby, I think. No kidding. Like, is it, am I just, I hadn't heard of them or have these dual bandpass filters not been around They've I, only been around for what five years now? No, not even that. Not even. I, I think they. I think they're fairly recent, and within the past year, year and a half, they've really started to. They, maybe couple, past couple of years, then they right. first came it, out. But now, the, the past year, year and a half is when they really started to catch on. Uh, the sure. prices on them have dropped. Like you can pick one up for as like the Octolong one is. Uh, it's like three hundred and fifty bucks Canadian. Right, for example. I, I, right? Yeah, I thought that was really affordable if you compare it to some of the competing models. Yeah, um, and I'm not saying one's better than the other because I haven't used them all, so I, I've only used one. But you know, it, you compare it to a dedicated hydrogen alpha filter, it could be a two a, a two inch filter can be over four hundred dollars easy. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Anyways, I don't. I I think uh, I think we've given enough people enough information to people to. Yeah, 
for now. To chew on, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. The, so the backspacing was really helpful. And I know there's going to be a few listeners, but have just had an aha moment about that and to better understand the process because it's something I needed to hear probably about three years ago. I really could have used this this episode of the podcast. <laughs> and, then, and, and the dual band pass and tri-band, quad-band filters too. Uh, I think it's pretty clear how we feel about them. They're they're really awesome and, and uh, a practical choice. They're not by any means the be-all, end-all solution, uh, but they're a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah. Hey, uh, Trevor. Oh, God, what? Do you know what an alien's favorite chocolate is? Uh, no. A Mars bar. Okay. I th- Well, I thought you would go there. <laughs> I, th- I, I thought you'd have something a little better than that. Oh, Iowa. When, isn't that, like, that would be specifically a Martian's favorite chocolate bar. Yeah. I guess so. Is that all you got? I know you got a big list in front of you. That's the one you chose? I, I'll... I'll... You know, you want me to tell you a joke about space? Okay. I, I'll tell you a joke about space, but it, it, it's it's too out of this world. <laughs> I love that. That was just the right amount of cheesiness. <laughs> oh, I hope it's a clear sky where you are. It's going to be a clear sky for uh, for me tonight. Trevor, is it clear for you? Oh, Friday night, new moon, clear sky. That's why we're in such a good mood. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah that's it. So hopefully it's clear where you are too. Hope so. Clear skies, everyone. Have a good one. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Clear skies.